first of all, um, we were going to talk about uh, the response to Black Lives Matter. Um, I'm very pleased we've got Aaron here who will talk in a minute um, to give us some context. But just to kind of start off, I think, you know, one of the things we've all been grappling with since um, the murder of George Floyd in America and Black Lives Matter is, is how we move beyond the supportive statement to actually genuinely looking at how we can not only be anti-racist but start to address structural racism and racial inequality. I think for us, and I'm talking from spirit and from a personal perspective, I think that means we have to ask ourselves some uncomfortable questions at this stage as we start to do that thinking. Um, as I said, it's not a kind of, it's not an easy issue, but it's one I'm sure we've all been grappling with and I know at Spirit we have. So we are equally as interested as everybody else in how, how we address this, how we start to look at some of those kind of big important questions and use this to create a really, you know, in the words of suffrage, uh, deeds, not words, and moving beyond those kind of statements. So Aaron has very kindly, Aaron is Chief Executive Sporting Equals, they're one of Spirit's partners, so many of you will know Aaron um, from the partnerships we have in Spirit. Sporting Equals, um, and you can correct me Aaron if I misinterpret your organisation, but are set up not only to champion diversity in sport, but also to challenge structural racism and racial inequality from the playing fields right up to the boardroom. And that's what they've been doing. So it's lovely to have Aaron here. He's going to talk for about 10 minutes to give us some context and overview and then we'll open the floor. So over to you, Aaron. Thank you, uh, Ruth. Can, can you hear me? Okay, brilliant. Okay. Yeah, thank you to uh, Ruth and Spirit 2012 for inviting me here um, to talk to you about structural racism. Um, and also, you know, the support Spirit 2012 have given to black Asian minority ethnic community across those projects to make sure they empower um, these communities. Uh, there's been a real societal shift recently uh, that we've all seen with the Black Lives Matter and George Floyd's um, murder. And I think it's uh, uh, reopened a lot of the discourse that's uh, been discussed in the past. And I don't think it's gonna be um, going away as quick as um, in the past because um, you know, these, these protests have happened before. Uh, and I've been involved or experienced them for many years. I think the difference this time is um, social media. Um, social media is um, instantly uh, monitoring these um, issues of uh, uh, incidents of racism and it goes straight onto social media and people are picking it up immediately. Uh, the population in this country in particular is, inc is increasing and by 2050 we could probably be around 20 to 30 percent BAME. Um, I thought one of the things I saw with the Black Lives Matter movement was the diversity of the protesters, which has never been like that before. Um, it was um, very mixed in ethnicity and, and young as well. And you could see people were not going to tolerate inequality anymore. So these shifts have really um, been taken notice by organisations, particularly corporate and public sector. And I think that's what I want to talk to you about today what you know what could we do i went off to do my first degree in race equality majoring in community cohesion um then went on and um, became a director of race equality organization to support um some of the victims and an organization to make a difference and later went on and uh, did a master's in diversity and inclusion and so here i am after 25 odd years um still talking about systemic racism 
So um, hopefully I've got a little bit of experience and knowledge and insight um, to discuss with you about this agenda. Um, just a couple of statistics. Of course, we work mainly in the sports sector and you know, systemic racism can't, can't be ignored on decision makers. And um, just looking at boardrooms in, in sport, 45% of um, boardrooms in our sector come from a black, Asian or minority ethnic background. FTSE, is, um, FTSE 100 is sitting at about 8%. But our, even our charity sector, we only sit at around 6%. So we're not much better than sport. And I think, you know, all of our organisations need to be thinking about what the problems are. So I think, you know, just breaking down systemic racism, um, something I, um, I read a few years um, ago was um, by somebody called Neil Thompson, and he talked about uh, equality and oppression. And he broke it down really easily. Um, uh, he called it the PCS analysis, which was about personal, cultural, and structural. I'm not gonna start giving you a lecture on any of this, but I think it's just, it just makes it a lot easier to understand what do we mean by systemic racism. And it can work at three different ways. The first is personal. And this is very much the prejudiced behavior. This is linked to stereotyping of individuals. You may have picked this up from schools, media, whatever else, but it's stereotyping of individuals. And at that stage, it is just um, prejudiced behavior. And we're all we all have prejudiced um, thoughts, but it comes down to who has the power to act on that? Who are the decision makers who can make a difference uh, from turning that prejudiced behavior to actually discrimination? So it might be somebody who has the power on uh, distribution of resources, distribution of funding, um, access to leisure facilities or other facilities, um, somebody who might be recruiting or um, uh, a line manager who might be, um, uh, has the influence on retaining uh, staff and developing them. All of that um, is power. And I think if you are allowed to uh, use your gut feeling or stereotypes to uh, make that decision, that's when it turns into um, discrimination and in, my, in this case racial discrimination. A lot of people now call prejudice behaviour um, leading to discrimination basically unconscious bias. It's the same thing, it's just a bit more politically correct. But basically that's when we're doing training, we're trying to break down those stereotypes and not allow people to be thinking about um, their own prejudice thoughts and uh, feelings and allowing that coming into their um, decision making. The second stage or second level is cultural and it, it links so closely to the, the personal level because it's what we've learned from the schools. And if we think about education and British history, yeah, I was born and bred in this country uh, and never knew for many years on actually what were the negative um, um, side of British history and the British Empire. It took many years for me to find, find that out and it was once I'd left school that I really found out because I never took history past um, um, 15 really. Um, so it, it, yeah, it's difficult for individuals to really know much more. So something we should be um, uh, really influencing government and the education department is around um, schools and what we're learning in schools and, and making sure that we're learning about um, 
that's the influences schools have had um and, and yeah slavery uh, american history british history is so closely connected to that and we need to be thinking um about that when obviously linked to uh, black lives matter but then the third level of um discrimination and oppression is structural and that's the bit i wanted to talk a little bit more about and this is really about the organization's policies and processes and also their unwritten practices that people um, don't really talk about um, they're just there uh, it could be linked to their attitudes or their behavior going back to stereotyping etc um, and i think that's really um, important to understand um, Somebody called William, Sir William McPherson, um, on the death of Stephen Lawrence back in the mid-90s, uh, spoke about this and he'd said um, uh, institutional racism or, or um, structural racism can be seen or detected in processes, attitudes and behaviours that mounted discrimination through prejudice, ignorance, thoughtlessness and racist stereotyping. I think that's basically... Um, makes it quite clear on what we're talking about here but i think when organizations are getting blamed is when they don't acknowledge it exists and then don't address um, any factors linked to that and i think that's the bit i think we need to do a lot more so what can we do you know what what is it that organizations should be thinking about when they're um, if they've acknowledged it and i think many of you here are already acknowledging it and i think we need more organizations to acknowledge it I've been speaking to um, the sports organisations who are acknowledging it now as well. So, first of all, it's about the depth and breadth of diversity, and in our case, ethnic diversity within organisations. Is it actually there? In the first place, when we talk about depth, is the policies and the processes. So, do our policies actually um, uh, cater for Black, Asian and minority ethnic communities, or do those policies and processes have an adverse effect on those communities, whether it's recruitment, retention, community engagement, service delivery, um, resource distribution. Yeah. These policies have been there for quite a while. They need to be reviewed and we need to internally check, you know, are they having an adverse effect on these communities? Because that's where some of the problems lie. The second of, um, uh, part of that is the breadth of diversity within organizations, particularly large organizations. Do those employees who are there, particularly those in decision-making positions, particularly those, um, most of the organizations have a, a, a white majority, uh, decision-making boards, senior management, middle management. Do they really understand the importance of race equality and um, uh, diversity uh, within their organisation and, and how important it is to get it right? And do they adhere to those values and principles and the policies that may have been put in place by senior management? Uh, and if it doesn't, then we have an issue of culture and we need to then look at the culture of those organisations. And, and um, it isn't always about... Um, shifting the balance from um, and diversifying the, diversifying the workforce. That's a really difficult thing to do and that, that would take a long time. What we need to do is bring those um, uh, staff, management, workforce um, along with us on this journey and understand the importance of um, ethnic diversity within organisations, the business case to diversity. And also it's not just about 
um, people from racial, different racial backgrounds. It's going to support other um, communities as well, especially when you start thinking about intersectionality. Another area that I think you know a lot of organisations um, are trying to do the right thing, but the problem is they have a limited knowledge bank, especially large organisations when you don't have a strong workforce from um, a diverse background. Uh, you let you lack the um, um, uh, empathy in those organisations and understanding of historical challenges that these communities have faced. Um, it's, it, those organisations are limited in their expertise on what works in race equality or community engagement and also they lack um, the networks that would support them in ensuring that locally they have the insight um, of these um, of some of the communities who are, who are in their vicinity uh, and, and so therefore when um, organisations go out for um, recruitment they get very little um, back from these communities, um, even their marketing strategies don't work very well to bring these communities out to key events, etc. Uh, and, and so we end up with a term called hard to reach. And it's hard to reach because you're talking 90% of a white um, workforce find it very hard to reach to these communities. But if you're talking to the 5 or 10% who are from black, Asian, minority ethnic backgrounds, it's actually not very hard to reach at all. And I think that's um, something we need to be looking at. I think the terminology of hard to reach should be um, uh, eliminated. We shouldn't be talking about that anymore. Um, but because they find it hard to reach, they, um, the marketing communications um, strategies are wrong, community engagement goes wrong, and, and you know, outcomes are ill-informed interventions. Uh, and that becomes another problem. Um, and so we end up with unwelcoming environments. And, in the sports sector, Sport and Equals has taken sport into other environment, environments which are more welcoming. For example, faith centres, because we felt that some of the sports clubs and leisure facilities actually didn't have the empathy, didn't have the expertise um, in, in uh, ensuring these communities uh, were looked after. A third uh, area I want to talk to you about was uh, around workplace discrimination. And we did a short survey, um, which is still currently running, where 24% of um, those um, who um, faced uh, racism said they felt, uh, faced it um, in the glass ceiling. So obviously they felt that their um, promotional opportunities were um, blocked, being blocked. 32% said their racism related to attitudes and behavior of staff and colleagues. And one um, black female middle manager said that um, she'd had enough of individuals frowning or rolling their eyes whenever she spoke um, about um, uh, community engagement of BAME communities and the issues that they've been facing. Another uh, respondent mentioned um, a white senior manager on a diversity course internally who expressed his opinion that black people have a chip on their shoulder. In his experience, too many black people complain about how bad life is. This is exactly the issues that we're talking about when we talk about Black Lives Matter and that campaign. Um, the, education is key. And I think, you know, just for people to come on, coming on to you know, this talk that I'm doing and also read more, watch, you know, watching um, more on this on television, it is breaking down some of those thoughts and feelings that people may, may have. Another um, uh, 
some more ser um, survey we did was around the treatment of um, leisure and sports clubs, but this could be in any sector, arts and culture uh, and, and other um, sectors as well, uh, which would be very similar in this way, where Sport Recreation Alliance did some research. They found 40% of black, Asian, minority ethnic communities had faced a negative experience at a leisure or sports club compared to 14% of white communities. And this is really key. And, and it's not just that research. We've been picking that up for many years. And in our research, a black Somalian woman in Manchester said that when we came to the club, the whole thing was just a joke. I spoke to the lady at the front desk and queried why there was a male lifeguard when we had agreed this beforehand. And she said, well, we won't be changing the lifeguard for you. Sorry and goodbye. Uh, this is um, a respondent who came to our survey. Another um, a survey from a black female who said, uh, we deliver sports and sometimes when we have field trips, we have a negative welcome from staff and security here in Sheffield. So these are the types of um, um, examples that people are facing from black and other communities um, um, because of stereotyping and attitudes and behavior of staff and they're getting away with it because our policies and processes, as I said at the start, um, aren't actually that effective in supporting these communities. So that was just a real little uh, trigger on, on, on um, a few words I wanted to um, just um, start some conversation on. Um, just my other thoughts are if organisations were thinking about doing more, well, it's no longer good enough, um, I think, you know, society is saying, to sit on the fence anymore. You have to be the anti-racist or or sit on the fence and the, the other side and if you are going to be anti-racist then you need to have actions in place you need to do more um, um, than organizations have done in the past i think some things we can do quite quickly is have more effective communication and empowering our local community organizations so if you do know of BAME organization locally get in touch with them engage them find out more about them and see how they can support you I think it's also about connecting in race equality, anti-racist organisations. I know we're uh, working in sport and physical activity, but if anybody wanted to contact us, we would always be happy to signpost you or give you advice on what more you can do. If you are doing diverse uh, recruitment, if you are doing recruitment, and you and it's difficult to get diverse recruitment panel for whatever reason, then try and look for a, a race equality observer or a BAME observer who can sit on the panel and 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 help you ensure that. Um, unconscious biases are taking place of course you know if you could do some training that will help as well um, and then you know for me one of the biggest things of structural racism to break structural racism down is internal it's not you know it's not sexy in any way it's not going to you know um, on the outside of the world people may not know what you what's happening but in my opinion structural racism can only change if we are having um, a look in the mirror at ourselves as organizations um, and doing a proper health check, looking at our own, um, uh, reviewing ourselves on race equality, thinking about the policies we have and the unwritten practices, the service delivery we provide, the staff consultation, and finding out how staff are feeling, how we can make sure we bring them along on this journey. All of this is really important. So if anybody is asking what's the one first thing you should um, be doing, I would say do a, um, a health check internally from internal communications right across to your um, uh, policies and procedures. Thank you. 
And that's fantastic. Thank you very much. Um, and I think it's something, you know, it's something for all of us to grapple with in our own internal organisations. And, you know, as a funder, we've also been thinking about questions, you know, about how we fund and who we fund and where we fund and who influences us. So it's an incredibly multi-layered question, I think, for us to get right and to or not even get right, but to move in the right direction. And I think that's where we're all going. Did anybody have any questions or comments or reflections or um, or asks for further further discussion on this topic? I'll throw the floor open. I can only see half of you. So if you're waving and I can't see you, um, like I'll mute yourself.